0: Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church, bringing you the Tuesday broadcast, which is part two on the subject of total surrender. Why should I totally surrender to the Lord? Well, as I think about where we are as a culture, the uniqueness of our culture is that there's so many neat things that we have enjoyed with the advancement of technology. And I am so thankful for this technology. I'm so glad that I have a house that is air conditioned. I'm so glad that I have a house that has a lot of nice features. A lot of nice protections for me. A lot of nice comforts for me. And, uh, you know, we're living in a day and age where you can basically run everything from your cell phone. I even got a guy in my small group. And uh, last night we were in small group. And I said to this guy, I said, now, listen, John, it seems like to me uh, you're not talking as loud as you used to talk. And I said, I'm having trouble hearing you. He said, well, you know, I got these new hearing aids and I can control it with my phone. And he says, with this new hearing aid, my wife says I don't talk nearly as loud because even at a whisper, it sounds like I'm yelling in my ears. So now he has lowered his voice and I said, you know what? I think I might be a little hard of hearing because my wife always accuses me of talking too loud. And so maybe I better get my ears checked out and uh, maybe get some of those nice little new hearing aids that they have. And I asked him, well, I said, well, how much do those things cost? He said, boy, they're about $7,500. I said, well, I reckon I won't be getting my hearing aids anytime soon, but I'm going to start saving up my money so that when I get to be a little bit older, when I need to have those hearing aids, I'm going to get me a pair of those hearing aids so I can hear everything that I want to hear. And he says, you know the great thing about this? He said, if you don't want to hear something, you just slide down that dial right there and you don't have to hear anything. And he said, the neat thing is I can have the TV in my room playing and I got this Bluetooth thing on there and I can listen to the TV just as loud as I want. And everybody else in the house could be sleeping. I won't bother them. It sounds like it's quiet, but I got a plane in my ears. And I said, this is just amazing what the Lord has done and given us these wonderful things with new technology. But today I want to talk to you about why should I totally surrender to the Lord? Don't surrender yourselves to this technology. As wonderful as it is, it's a tool. We ought to use it, but we don't surrender to it. I want to talk to you about a coconut, a cookie cutter, and a cross. In Africa, when they want to catch a monkey, they carve out a coconut. They put about an inch and a half hole in that coconut. They put a piece of fruit in the middle of that coconut, maybe like a little banana. That old monkey comes along, puts his little hand in there, grabs onto that fruit, and he won't let go of that fruit, but it creates a dilemma for him. He can't get his hand out because he's hanging onto that fruit. So those hunters come along and they capture him. Here we have a monkey that's getting captured, all because he refuses to let go of a little piece of fruit. I think about the trapment of sin. Sin will always trap you. We're also going to talk about the cookie cutter as we think about a cookie cutter. It makes cookies all the same size, all the same shape. And, uh, you know, for Christmas, I love uh, seeing these cookies of Christmas trees and we decorate them and they're all the same size. When we think about our minds being changed, we're told don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't think like the world. Don't act like this world. You know, I think about where we are right now as a society. And I think about this recent decision that was announced about the reversal of Roe v. Wade. You know, I expect that there's many people that are very upset about that. And I kind of understand that, right? The court has allegedly taking away from people a right that they think they have. What really kind of bothers me is that many Christians I know think that that was a bad decision. I don't know about you, but there is a sacredness to life. When we think about the power of a choice, well, what about the choice of that little baby? Uh, What about the choice that that baby has? You know, if you're listening to me, I can tell you one thing. Your mother was pro-life. She may not have had a whole lot of money. She may not have had a, a whole lot of things going on in her life that were good, but she decided to have you and to give you birth. You know, to me, a, a wonderful way to handle a pregnancy that maybe you didn't plan or maybe that you're not ready for is this wonderful option of adoption. I was reading a stat the other day and it said there are over one point two American couples who would love to adopt a little baby and they're on a waiting list. And, uh, you know, it costs quite a bit of money to adopt. Uh, There's a long waiting list of people that are waiting for babies to come along. Why don't we look at the adoption option as an option to provide these children an opportunity to come into this life? Well, let's talk about the cross, too. Uh, Coconut, a cookie cutter, and the cross. And we think about total surrender and what that involves. And so, why should I totally surrender to God? Because of His great grace. God has been so gracious to us, and because of the urgency of His mercy. You know, life is so very short. I am just amazed. The older you get, it seems like the years fly by. Now, the days sometimes seem long and slow, but it seems like it was just yesterday. It was Christmas, and tomorrow is going to be Christmas again. It seems like life just flies by you so fast, and so there's this urgency to receive God's mercy before it's too late. And when you've done that, your life will change radically. So we learn we should be surrendering, and we learn what that is. It means that we live by faith. That's right. We live by faith from first to last. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because that's where the power of God came that brought me salvation. That's how I was born again, because of the power of the gospel. That is what changed my life. You know what I think about the gospel? So many times people will say, I don't want that. I don't want the free uh, gift of salvation. I was born okay, or I was born right the first time. Uh, It's kind of like me many years ago. You know, for years, I despised pepperoni pizza. You say, how could you not like pepperoni pizza? Well, I would just look at a a big old large pepperoni pizza, and I see all that grease on top of that. And I said, that can't be good. Uh, You know, I hated pepperoni pizza without even trying it. I never tried it. I just looked at it and said, man, I ain't going to touch that stuff. Well, one day somebody convinced me that I should try it. You know what? I tried it. And and, you know, matter of fact, I like pepperoni pizza now so much that um, that if there's no pepperoni pizza in heaven, I'm not sure that I want to go to heaven. (laughs) Just kidding. Of course, uh, we're going to go to heaven. We're going to have everything that we need. But I was afraid to try it because it didn't look right. It didn't look good to me. It didn't look appealing to me. But when I finally tried it, I tell you what, my life was changed. The same is true about my faith. I thought it was crazy that somebody would surrender themselves to a God that they cannot see uh, based on a Bible that many people think is antiquated. I turned my nose up to Christianity. As a matter of fact, I went through a crisis of belief from age 15 to 21. I was running from God, and I didn't want to be involved in ministry. I didn't want to be involved in in church work. I didn't want to be involved in reading my Bible or having anything to do with Christianity. Uh, In my mind, Christians were a bunch of weirdos. That's what they were. Uh, they were crazy people. I mean, they went to church every Sunday. Uh, they lived lives that were different than how I wanted to live. And, uh, and I said, I don't think I want any of that stuff. Those people that are just different. I, I want nothing of, of their life. And, and as I began to study God's word, I said, you know, they are different. Paul says, we're a peculiar people. The reason is because our faith is not in this world. Our faith is in the world to come. Uh, so we should be living a life of totally surrender because we live by faith. Number two, we walk by uh, humility, and that is we are are not boasting because we couldn't save ourselves. You know, many years ago I was talking to a couple and I was sharing the gospel with them, and and I and I asked them why they thought they were going to go to heaven. They said, "Well, I think I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a pretty good person." I said, "You are. How do you base that? How, what do you base your goodness on?" And, and this couple very lovely couple, and uh, they had wonderful children, a beautiful home, and they had horses in their backyard and, and a lovely swimming pool. And, and I said, well, uh, let, well, let me ask you about what you base your goodness on. He said, well, we keep the Ten Commandments. I said, well, that's wonderful to hear. Uh, can you name them? And it got real quiet. They couldn't name any of the Ten Commandments. Well, I started to help them out a little bit. I said, well, one of the commandments is, thou shalt not lie. I said, have you ever told a lie? Oh, so you know, I, 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 yeah, oh, yeah, I, I've told a lie. I said, well, that's okay. You know, one out of ten is probably not bad. Uh, uh, let's look at another commandment. Uh, how about that one that says, um, "Thou shalt not covet." Have you ever wanted something that doesn't belong to you? And they both looked at each other, looked back at me, said, "Well, yeah, yeah, I, I've wanted some things that don't belong to me." I, I said, "Well, okay, okay, that's two out of ten. Uh, that, that's not too bad. Maybe." Maybe God grades us on a curve, right? And uh, give us a little pass on a couple ones that we miss. And I said, well, let me give you another one. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And they both smiled and perked up. and said, well, we've been faithful to one another. Uh, we haven't committed adultery. I <laughs> uh, kind of, kind of a, a, a neat story about adultery. I was asking my kids one day. I said, do you know what adultery is? One of my kids, when they were just young, says, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I know what adultery is, Dad. I said, you do? I was kind of surprised, as young as they were, uh, that they knew what adultery is. I said, okay, well, tell me, what is adultery? They said, Dad, adultery is when kids act like adults. That's what adultery is. And I started to stick with a little bit. And uh, and I said, well, you know, there might be a little truth to that meaning. And, And so this couple said, well, we've never committed adultery. I said, well, that's good that you've been faithful to one another. But you know what Jesus said about adultery? Jesus said, if a man looks after a woman and he lusts after her, he hath committed adultery in his heart. Oh, they were guilty of that one too. I said, well, there's another one, another commandment. Thou shalt not kill. And so, oh, well, we've never murdered anybody. I said, well, you know, Jesus even dealt with that one when he said, if we are angry with our brother without a cause and we say to him, which means I wish you were dead, we've committed murder in our hearts. Well, as I began to speak with this couple, they realized that they were indeed lawbreakers. There was nothing they could boast about, and so they became born again. They put their faith and trust in Christ. Listen, we should surrender to the Lord because we are dead to our sins. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, why should we go on sinning? Should we sin more that grace may abound? He says, oh, by no means. He says, we have been dead to sin. You know, to be dead to sin means I'm no longer living a life that is enslaved to sin. It doesn't mean I'm sinless, but it does mean that I sin less because I'm no longer a slave to sin. To be dead to my sins means we no longer need to be controlled by our sinful nature. Paul teaches us in Romans 6, 17, that though we used to be a slave to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of the teaching that now has claimed your allegiance. You see, before Christ, we were enslaved to sin. Now we have a new master. Sin continues to exist in our lives, but we are no longer dominated by it. You know, you ever get frustrated with something and it's obviously going wrong and and the person that you're trying to convince has no clue as to what you're trying to argue? Sometimes that's what we may feel as believers in Christ. And, And the reason is because they have not been awakened to the resurrection of Christ. Well, there's another reason that we should surrender completely to the Lord. is because we have been released from the law. Romans 7, 6 says, But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we can serve in a new way, with a new spirit. Not in that old way of the written code. Did you know that the law condemns us? The law indicates that we are lawbreakers. But when we're born again, We're no longer going to be judged by that law because God has paid the penalty for our sins through his son, Jesus Christ. Number five, we should be surrendered to the Lord because we are free from all condemnation. Oh, I love Romans chapter eight. You know, when I was grappling with my faith as a young man, somebody said to me, You ought to be very familiar with Romans chapter 6. That's the fact that Romans chapter 6 talking about God's grace being available to us. And and going into chapter number 7, that we are released from that. We're dead to sin. We're released from the consequences of the law. And then chapter number 8 talks about the fact that we are no longer under condemnation. Paul says there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, you ought to surrender yourself to the one who's freed you. From condemnation let's do a really uh, uh, simple illustration. let's say that you are incarcerated and somebody comes along and says, now listen, you have done the crime and you're doing your time but I'm here to tell you that I'm going to pay for all of your legal fees I want to pay for all of your consequences I'm actually going to do your time so you can go free you know if somebody did that to you you would be indebted to that person. you would love that person because of the debt they paid on your behalf. That's what Christ has done for us. He has not only declared us without sin, he declares us as guiltless. No more shame, no more pain, no more separation from God, no more condemnation. And there's another reason why we ought to surrender to the Lord is because we are heirs with Christ. You know, in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, it says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Oh, when I was battling this whole security of my salvation, this assurance of my salvation, I memorized that little verse, and I realized that I was doubting my salvation because I was feeding the wrong spirit. It says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. I want you to know, as I look at this passage of Scripture, I realize that because I'm a child of God, I have an inheritance. Maybe you're leaving an inheritance to your family. That's a great thing to do, right? An inheritance to your children or your grandchildren. You know, you leave that to your family, right? They receive that inheritance because they're part of your family. They haven't earned it. They probably maybe even don't deserve it, but you're going to leave it to them because you love them and because you're part of the family. God does the same exact thing to us. We are the children of God, and because of that, we are co-heirs with Christ Jesus, Now, Paul goes a little step further by saying that, you know, if we're going to receive the benefit of being an heir of Christ, there's also other things that we're going to share. We're going to share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. Surrender to Christ because we are heirs with Christ. Number seven, we are to surrender to Christ because we enjoy God's everlasting love. Oh, we're still in Romans chapter eight, and as we get toward the end of that chapter, Paul reminds us that nothing is gonna separate us from the love of God. His love for us is everlasting. As a matter of fact, this is what he says in Romans eight thirty five: Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? He says, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long we are considered as sheep being slaughtered. He says, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul says, I'm convinced neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any other power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Oh, I surrender to the Lord because he has promised me his everlasting life and nothing can separate me from his everlasting life. You know, I can't even separate myself from his everlasting life. That's why Jesus said in Romans 10, 28, that we are safe and secure in our father's hands and no man is able to pluck him out of his hands. You know, my security and my salvation is not based upon my ability to hang on to Jesus but it's his ability to hang on to me. Ah, well, there's another reason why we ought to be totally surrendered to the Lord is because we are chosen by God. You know, if you're chosen by God, you have nothing to be ashamed of. As we look at Romans chapter nine, Paul talks about the Gentiles who didn't pursue righteousness, but somehow they got it. It was a righteousness based on their faith. He says, but the people of Israel They were pursuing the law as a way of righteousness, and they haven't attained their goal. He says, why not? Because they pursued it, not by faith, but as it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. And he says, as it is written, I lay in Zion a stone which causes people to stumble, a rock that makes them fall, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Paul is is setting up this argument, and he says, you know why people stumble over us in our faith that we have in Christ? It's because they have rejected that. The rock, that stone that causes people to stumble is the rock that they are rejecting. And Paul says, but those who believe in him are never put to shame. Here's another reason why you should totally surrender to the Lord is because he has given us wonderful opportunities, and he has chosen us. He gives us a a choice in receiving salvation. Now, Romans 10, 9, and 10 is a passage that we probably know very well. uh, But I want to look at those two verses, and I want to look at verses 12 and 13. And I want to let you know that there's 18 inches between your your head and your heart. And a lot of people miss salvation by 18 inches. Look what Paul says in verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so there's two steps here. Declaring with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believing in your heart. So it's giving intellectual assent to the fact that Jesus is Lord, but it also must drop down into your heart, believing that God raised him from the dead. Then you'll be born again. You see, it's not just lip service. It's not just praying a prayer somewhere. It is actually believing in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Paul continues. For it is with the heart that you believe in you are justified and with the mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. In other words, when the heart really changes, you can't help but your mouth speak about it. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call upon him. Everyone, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a great understanding of this passage of scripture is that we have an opportunity to be a recipient of God's grace. We've got to make that choice to declare it with our mouth after we believe in our hearts. And then number 10, we have hope even when we lack faith. Oh, this is such a wonderful passage, such an encouragement to me because I want to let you know, sometimes my faith and sometimes my hope is a little bit rocky and, and a little unsettled and And so Paul reminds us about how we were recipients of salvation in the first place. In Romans chapter 11, verse number 17, he says, if some of the branches have been broken off, and he's referring to that, that wild olive shoot that got broken off, talking about the nation of Israel, for the most part, they rejected the gospel. And so they were cut off. And then he says, when they were cut off, we were grafted in as a nourishing sap from the olive root. Paul says, don't consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You don't support the root, but the root supports you. Paul is reminding us of a wonderful truth here, that we were grafted into the family of God. We had nothing to do with it. Uh, We didn't create the family. We were grafted into the family. We didn't support the family. The family supported us. Listen, you can cut off a branch from a tree And the tree will keep on living. But if you cut off the roots, then the tree dies. Paul says, you didn't support the root system, but the root system supports you. Oh, what a blessed hope that is. Even when I'm a little bit lacking in faith, I get nourishment from the roots because the roots are produced by God himself. So I want to encourage you. Totally surrender to God. The first step is releasing my grip. We were trapped but now we're set free. Re- release that grip. Like that monkey had to release that grip and he'd be set free. Don't hang on to sin. Don't hang on to worldliness. Now, what is that one thing that you're hanging on to? And I find that usually it is one or two things that we're hanging on to. It's almost like a yardstick. You know, a yardstick is 36 inches long. But many of us says, Lord, you can have my life. But we hang on To that last half inch. We said, okay, Lord, you can have 35 and a half inches. I'm gonna hang on to that last half inch, okay? And and here to totally surrender to God, you've got to release that grip. Let it go. Maybe that you're battling with bitterness. You know, I think bitterness has ruined more people because they hang on to one little thing and they won't let it go. They actually become trapped. They become enslaved by hanging on to that one little thing. You know how you release your your grip on bitterness? You forgive. You forgive, you let that person free, and you discover that you were set free as well. Number two, I totally surrendered to God by releasing my grip. I get out of that trap. I'm set free. Now I refuse to conform. We were deceived, but now we have a renewed mind. We think differently. You say, how do I begin to change my mind? You begin to saturate your mind with the word of God. You know, I listen to the Bible often. As I'm cruising on down the uh, the interstate, as I'm going up 664 or on 64 or on uh, the 168 bypass uh, or as I'm on Battlefield Boulevard, (laughs) what a wonderful name for a street, right? Battlefield Boulevard. And so as I'm battling traffic on Battlefield Boulevard, I take God's word and I begin to listen to it, okay? Uh, And I don't read it as I'm driving because, you know, I don't want to be causing some accidents out there. I don't want to be a distracted driver. But I have God's word playing. And I'm listening to great sermons, and and maybe you're cruising down the road right now, and you're listening to me, and uh, and you're getting a little frustrated with that traffic. Listen, don't think like the world. Don't start honking that horn. Get all upset with people. Realize that we're not conformed to this world. We once used to be deceived, but now we have this new mind, a renewed mind. You know, the Bible will set your mind in the right direction. And, And then number three, we are totally surrendered to Christ when we regard the cross. see, when you totally surrender to the cross, your life becomes different, and you are abetting yourself. And Paul tells us that you become holy and pleasing to God. That's your proper worship. And let's imagine today that I have said to you, I tell you what, I'm going to give you my car, and I'm not going to charge you for it. You can have it. And you come, you get the keys, and you take my car, and and you take it like it's your own, and you put gas in it. You take care of the repairs, and you wash it once in a while. You clean it, and and, and it's almost like it's yours. But one thing I haven't done, I haven't given you the title to that car. I said, you can have my car, but I'm going to hang on to the title. You know, I still own that car. Uh, You may be paying for the repairs, and you may be enjoying the benefit of that vehicle, but it still really belongs to me because I haven't signed the title over to you. I think many Christians do the same thing. They're enjoying the benefits of being a follower of Christ. They're enjoying uh, the fellowship of God's people and the blessings of the Lord upon their lives, but they haven't signed over the title of their life. They haven't given themselves completely over to the Lord. And and as a result, uh, they're really hanging on and, and they're not really satisfied because they don't really own this relationship with the Lord. Today, would you totally surrender to the Lord today? Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash one eight nine zero five five seven or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at thirty-three twenty Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are nine AM and ten thirty AM. We'd love for you to join us. For more information,